Welcome to Pass It On with CWR Talent. I'm CWR, and this is my podcast. Dedicated to our aspiring leaders and mentors in hospitality and entertainment, what's my gig? Discover talent and pass it on. I'm a headhunter with a twist. The greatest fulfillment of what we do is not only based on followers, clients, and supporters. It's also based on how many people we inspire, compel to action, and ultimately move towards getting out of the way of their own success. Listen to my seriously successful business leaders pass it on with their best advice, what's required to succeed, how to gain resilience and balance in your career, and how to prepare now by fine-tuning your emotional intelligence in order to lead at the top levels. Please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice to receive updates on new episodes. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, and loads more. Subscribe and then pass it on. We appreciate it. Welcome, I'm CWR. Today's topic is a must for our most aspiring senior leaders who are preparing for that next level at the stratospheric, rarefied air of the C-suite. Are you an aspiring CEO? Let's discuss what it takes to make a great chief executive. Chief executives have a weighty responsibility on their shoulders, no matter what industry, no matter what country, no matter what size company. Not all chief executives are created equal. Although it is truly a significant achievement on its own to be selected to head an entire company, however simple or complicated the business. How well one performs and delivers is often a direct result of that person's ability to communicate their vision to everyone, plan the strategy to get there, and use razor-sharp focus to constantly evaluate, adapt, and drive everyone forward in the same direction. The most successful chief executives in large companies pay the most attention to achieving the objectives set out for them by the board of directors and shareholders, or in smaller organizations, the chief exec or MD delivers the same for company's owner or owners. In all my years of experience in C-suite and leadership talent discovery, and in working with some of the most creative and driven CEOs in our industry, here's what I learned in summary. There are four traits influencing a chief executive's overall success. Decisiveness, a charismatic ability to engage everyone for impact, adaptability, and reliability. Leadership success is not a function of unalterable traits or unattainable pedigree, nor is there anything special about the key traits that must be present to a great degree. While there's certainly no one-size-fits-all approach, focusing on these essential behaviors will improve both a, a board's likelihood of choosing the right CEO and an individual leader's chances of succeeding in that role. These traits or behaviors we're about to discuss sound deceptively simple, but the key is to practice them with a singular focus and consistency, which engages the whole organization because of those CEOs' reliability at delivering what they say they will. Now, there are quite a few tales out there about CEOs who always seem to know exactly how to steer their companies to wild success. High-performing CEOs do not necessarily stand out for making great decisions all of the time. Rather, they stand out for being more decisive. They make decisions earlier, faster, and with greater conviction, and they do so consistently. 
In our experience, in talent discovery, people who were described as decisive are more likely to be high-performing CEOs. Good CEOs realize that a wrong decision, with ownership of it and an energy to turn it around, may be better than no decision at all. Decisive CEOs know that they can't wait for perfect information. They also know they must work actively and deliberately to gather multiple points of view and sound out a small group of trusted advisors who can be counted on for honest feedback and reliable judgment. Develop your circle of trust early. Ask yourself two questions. What's the impact if I get it wrong? And how much will it hold up and impact other parts of the business if I don't take a decision now? That approach also inspires the leadership to trust their own judgment on operational decisions, which is critical to freeing up the CEO to hone in on more important things. To that end, successful CEOs also know when not to decide, whether to briefly consider whether a decision should actually be made lower down in the organization, or if delaying it a week or a month would allow important information to emerge without causing irreparable harm. But decision on the path ahead, once it's chosen, high-performing CEOs press ahead without wavering. Employees and other key constituencies will quickly lose faith in leaders who faff around, waffle, or backpedal once a decision is made. And if decisions don't turn out well, well, most errors are not that fatal. And CEOs who were actually fired over issues related to decision-making about a third of them were due to bad decisions and maybe two-thirds for being indecisive. Nobody wants a waffler. Interesting, isn't it? Here to join me to continue our discussion about these four traits that are critical to a chief executive's ultimate success and how they have impacted her career, I'd like to welcome to pass it on veteran chief operating officer, Europe, Middle East, Africa for Fraser's Hospitality and a leader within our industry. Rebecca Hollens van Loek, to share her views on what has the most impact on being a successful C-suite chief executive. Rebecca began her career with Hyatt within Integrated Marketing and Communications. It was the beginning of a long love of hospitality that took a rather interesting detour through digital graphic design with Corpnex, culminating in the role of managing director. After a brief dip into the investment side of our world, I met Rebecca when I was appointed to recruit a Vice President Operations UK for the Ascot Group in 2007 and had the good fortune to have discovered this particular talent for my former employer become client. Rebecca served just over 10 successful years at the helm of the UK, Germany, Georgia region of Europe when she was approached to join Fraser's Hospitality as Chief Operating Officer for Europe, Middle East and Africa. The answer was yes, and she is today Chief Operating Officer for the last four years and has gone from strength to strength in her career path, all while keeping her eye on the ball, know how to be decisive, to engage the full organization, and to remain adaptable to trends and emergencies, and most of all, to deliver results reliably and consistently. Rebecca knows how to lead at this level. Let's invite Rebecca in to share her experience with our listeners and aspiring leaders. Welcome, Rebecca, to Pass It On. Thank you, Corinne. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's very kind of you to join us. Let's look a little deeper into these four traits and tell me 
how it's steered your career path so far. Talk about decisiveness and what it means to you. Well, uh, I've learned from experience that the ability to be decisive and make the right decisions at the right time is influenced by a number of considerations. I would say firstly, the discipline to reflect and to ensure the appropriate amount of time is spent on learning from the past to positively influence the future using questions like what went well and what could be done differently to provoke deep thought, boost self-confidence and ensure good habits to make better decisions. Secondly, I think encouraging and practicing consensus with the team to enable the sharing of different perspectives, in theory, the sum of many parts, to allow personal learning and growth, whilst also increasing decision-making options. And also using prioritization guidelines, such as important versus urgent, and evaluating growth. What can happen if I don't make a decision now? This all contributes to continuing the exercise and improving this key leadership skill. I actually think it's one of the most important traits of a leader. No one appreciates vacillation. That said, I would also add that complex situations can take time to understand. But in my mind, a good leader will take the time to ask the right questions, understand the situation, gather input, find a degree of consensus and make the needed decision. It's also important that they delegate and provide limits of authority that are both meaningful and appropriate. We would all or should all be accountable for our actions and also hold others to account. It's also important to address underperformance and misalignment issues quickly and appropriately. I think it's fundamental for leaders to be seen to be able to take difficult decisions, even if the outcomes are not always what was expected, and to learn and to move on, and to be open about that. I've been on the receiving end of a leader that really struggled with decision making, endlessly asking more questions, trying to find the answer and over-analyzing, never coming to a conclusion and struggling to make a decision. Mm. I genuinely believe it is better to make a decision and live with the consequences than to not make a decision at all and leave the status quo. An example of this, when I worked at the Ascot, our CEO, Lee Chi Kun, always said, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Take responsibility for your mistakes and don't make them again, but be brave and make a decision and take the consequences. I think I've never been afraid of making a decision, but that phrase always rings in my ears. And I hope I can encourage others to make balanced decisions, but learn from their mistakes without blaming them. We can all make errors. It's learning from them and adapting to them that really counts. I believe that's true. When engaging for impact, 
example, when interacting with stakeholders, CEOs are acutely aware of how their moods and body language can affect the impact of their communications. Chief executives who engage stakeholders do not invest their energy in being liked or protecting their teams from painful decisions. In fact, both of those behaviors are commonly seen in lower performing leaders. Instead, the, the skilled chief execs gain the support of their colleagues by instilling confidence that they'll lead the team to success, even if that means making uncomfortable or perhaps unpopular moves. Rebecca, what are your thoughts on how high-performing CEOs can gain influence and instill collaboration from their leadership team? Uh, that's a big question. I have to say I'm conscious of the critical leadership need for accurate self-awareness. I think too often um, I've seen the negative impact of leaders seemingly unaware of their behavior on the motivation mm. and well-being of their teams. So I genuinely feel it's essential to be open to feedback from your direct reports. I think too often people shy away from this, perhaps thinking they know how their teams feel. One thing I've tried to practice and adopt is gaining that feedback and trying to understand how I can do better and change my behaviour to get the best from my teams. By giving them a structured feedback template to use at our recent appraisal conversations, it furnished me with an open and honest understanding of both my good and probably could be better leadership behaviours and the importance of being consistent in the way I behave. This also informed me about how I could get the best out of them in the way we interact. Nobody likes working with or for moody people. It really does drain positive energy. And finding ways through challenges, making suggestions, not accepting no for an answer, and working to find a collaborative solution, I genuinely feel is key. I've met many CEOs in my time, and their passion for what they do and their focus on why they wish to take a company has a profound influence on the teams around them. Ensuring everyone is aligned in that focus or goal is absolutely critical. I consider myself as having a very high energy level and I like to project that. I've even run around parks with CEOs post long haul flights before a morning breakfast briefing before now clearing the mind through physical exercise, ready for the challenges of the day ahead. I actually found that quite inspirational. I suppose one would describe that as walking, or rather, should I say, running the talk. I use the same philosophy of open and honest communication to treat my team members as adults and keep them informed about the big picture, providing status reports of our collective progress versus our collective goals. I do think that is very important. We all want to know where we are going and what part we have to play in that success. For the evidence of how important it is for businesses and leaders to adjust to a rapidly changing environment, we need to look no further than the aftermath of Brexit and the recent U.S. presidential elections. But our analysis shows that CEOs who excel at adapting are more likely to succeed. CEOs themselves told us over and over that this skill is critical as a CEO, you're constantly faced with situations where a playbook just simply doesn't exist and you 
better be ready to adapt. With the effects of the last two years behind us, we've seen some pretty phenomenal CEOs demonstrate the ability to influence and motivate. How important will adaptability be to recovery objectives for today's CEO in hospitality or is the worst behind us? Yep, it's been an incredibly tough, tough two years, I have to say. I have genuinely found that leaders who ensure that both they and their teams are suitably equipped with an understanding of managing change, what to do and what not to do, especially in the arena of communication, become confident and adaptable in this increasingly volatile, uncertain and changeable world. Practicing top-down and bottom-up communication informing everyone of the reality of the challenges that are facing them and inviting their contribution to seek solutions, have the best chance of survival and success together. A pragmatic C-suite leader understands in my mind the importance of think and we act. Gaining the team's buy-in to change is absolutely fundamental to its success. That buy-in drives the change it simply cannot be done alone. It has been an incredibly difficult two years and constant communication has been absolutely key to our success here at Fraser's. Adapting to the new norms and trying to manage the customers and the team's needs meant we have had to adapt to rapid changes in the market demands. From shutdown to ramp up, laying off to hiring, <laughs> new rules to less rules. It really has been a roller coaster that does not seem to end. But riding those waves and bringing the team with you and growing and learning at the same time has in itself been exhausting, but a very motivating experience. However, I actually think that the beginning of a period of phenomenal change is only just upon us. In such a changing world, it's important to embrace new technology, innovate and adapt. As we come out of this volatile period, it is, in my mind, vitally important for CEOs to recognise their marketing, sales and service functions following the pandemic. The pace of digital transformation has become one of the determining factors in driving customer experience and business growth. The practical use of customer-facing technology has advanced immeasurably and we need to adapt and embrace that change. This is not always easy, but with the ever-increasing demands from staff shortages to customer demands, this is something we need to embrace if we are indeed to survive. I would say these last 18 months have actually been one of the fastest and steeping learning curves for leaders at every level of the business. A very scary or, depending how you see it, exciting place, but perhaps lonely one at the very top. At Fraser's, we are on the road to that transformation and I believe those that don't embrace it will not survive. There are many, many rocky roads ahead. Yes, I believe this is a time of great innovation and great opportunity for, for many people. Mundane as it may sound, the ability to reliably produce results was possibly one of the most powerful of the four essential chief executive behaviors. 
in our sample, CEO candidates who scored high on reliability were twice as likely to be picked for the role and 15 times more likely to succeed in it. Boards and investors love a steady hand and employees trust predictable leaders. Leaders ignore the importance of reliability at their own peril. For, for stakeholders and, and shareholders alike, this is probably the trait that seems to me to be the most effective as reliability breeds confidence. And in your experience, how skittish are owners and shareholders of our hospitality businesses after two years of bleeding from little to no revenue and the cost of keeping the assets maintained and supporting the wider family of colleagues on furlough? How can a smart CEO demonstrate best a culture of reliability? It's true to say that these last two years would have in principle not the confidence of anyone quite easily. However, I genuinely think that a combination of factors, most importantly, excellent and consistent communication, have contributed to ensuring that that confidence remains in our business. I think there have been moments where owners and shareholders have wondered about the future of hospitality. Perhaps indeed we all have. This turbulent time has made it ever more vital that there needs to be a clear understanding of the importance of that deep rapport and trust between a CEO and its key stakeholders, owners, shareholders, teams and customers, which is absolutely vital. Throughout the last two years at Fraser's, our CEO of the EMEA region, Gus Bakker, has kept in very close and consistent contact with our owners and shareholders. As an executive team, we made sure to keep them abreast of all that was happening on the ground in the region throughout the pandemic, producing weekly consistent reporting so we could track trends, issues and progress, working with owners on ongoing investment as well as proactive, open, honest communication to ensure that everyone knew what the challenges were and that there were no nasty surprises hidden round the corner. We were sensitive to the pressures our owners and shareholders were under, finding a flexible approach to manage each situation while supporting the local teams remotely to ensure that clear instructions were given and we were consistent in our approach. Under his leadership, we undertook effective collective review and reflection, producing well thought through and realistic plans to give confidence to the stakeholders that the team knew how to protect the business and pilot it through the recovery phase into the new normal. We actually grew our market share with long stay opportunities, offering flexibility to customers, supporting those that were stranded and helping with quarantine requirements. We adapted rapidly to the demands in each of the countries where we operated, playing to our strengths and getting government support where we could. We also took the time to look to the future, something that I do think perhaps many overlooked, trying to manage with the day-to-day. -day. We made appropriate investments where needed, adapting to what we believed would be the new norms and focusing on tomorrow as well as today. All of this being shared at the right time with the right stakeholders 
has genuinely built confidence and support from all parties. It has been a pleasure, in fact, to hear on a number of occasions in the last year that they felt lucky to be supported by Fraser's in a very difficult period. Whilst outperforming our competitors and maintaining and supporting our key staff throughout, we have also worked and invested in technology to further support the transformation of the business to be ever more future ready. All of these points have certainly helped garner a greater understanding from our shareholders, respect from our owners, and indeed great commitment from our teams. In a world where nothing is normal anymore, we have come through this intact and with a stronger team, and I believe very much a more focused vision. Really a fantastic. Uh, the single most common mistake sometimes amongst first-time CEOs and committed by a surprisingly high 60% of them was not getting the right team in place quickly enough. For a new CEO choosing his or her core team, the stakes are high and the misses are obvious. The successful ones move decisively to upgrade talent. They set a high bar and focus on performance relevant to the role rather than a personal comfort or loyalties, two criteria that often lead to bad calls. Can a chief executive view talent as critical to delivering their own objectives? What's your best advice for a first-time CEO to get it right when it comes to talent and building their core team? In my mind, a good and effective leader is firstly very good at understanding how to get the best out of people by investing time in acquiring and assessing their knowledge. It's easy perhaps to come in and jump to conclusion and make changes where change is not always needed. I think it's important to take a bit of time and assess individuals in the team by setting them challenging goals and reviewing their performance. Those that choose to adapt and have the desire and ability can be developed further to ensure their personal growth, develop their talent and deliver improved results. This can lead to ongoing continuous improvement and greater commitment. Taking thoughtful risks to give those with potential the opportunity to step up and accept new responsibility. Gaining support through the development of individuals brings strong commitment and secures historical knowledge, which can indeed be of great benefit to retain. Keeping and nurturing, as well as acquiring new talent, is absolutely critical to a CEO's success. And I guess the optimal mix is garnering the talent on board whilst bringing in key disciplines and experience where the current team is lacking. Having a balance of both is the best rule, I would say. Whilst I was at Ascot, the growth of the company was really quite phenomenal. With consistent development, the reassessment and realignment or acquisition of new talent was on an ongoing process as the company went through some considerable growth. The CEO constantly assessing and reassessing what was needed to take the company forward in extraordinary plans of development. Great leaders need to ensure their own self-development by being able to get the best out of the new and more established team members and making sure they are surrounded by strong skill sets. 
it's important to enable growth opportunities and promote based on capability and tangible alignment with the company's core values. A positive and objective performance culture is also key and vital in sending the right messages to the business that the opportunity to grow with the business is alive and well and a fundamental part of the employee value proposition. This will help and develop the skills for the future, ensuring the company's continued growth. Setting goals, sharing purpose, nurturing learning in a well-structured environment, whilst driving innovation and making challenging decisions are the keys to a CEO's success. Really not easy with so many moving parts. No, it's not. There's so many moving parts and it's all very wise advice to any of our aspiring leaders out there who are aiming for the C-suite and think they've got what it takes. I'd like to thank you, Rebecca, for coming on to Pass It On with CWR Talent to share a bit about how to get ready for leading at the next level. It's been my pleasure, Corinne. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I hope you'll come back and share some more with us another time. I will. Thank you, Rebecca. Take care. Thank you for listening. And please join me in thanking our guests for being great sports and passing it on for you, our aspiring leaders and mentors. We hope you'll give us a like, a follow, and a ding ding for notifications on the platform of your choice. This has been Pass It On with CWR Talent. Pass it on. Mm -hmm.